be here at the Feast of Tabernacles, 2006. I remember back 2004, 2005. Maybe we wouldn't have a Feast of Tabernacles anymore the way the church was going. <laughs> but we got some nice, nice group of people that smiles. It's great to, to see everyone here. I remember all those years I attended the church, we always used to hear one statement every time Mr. Armstrong showed up. Why are you here? What brought you to the Feast of Tabernacles this year? Do we think about those things? I've been thinking about that quite a bit. Why did I come to the feast here? Well, there's, what, two, three, four, five hundred different places that I could go? Well, they have places like Orlando where you have all that entertainment, you know. You, you can go and sit in the seat and, you know, warm a chair for a couple hours, tolerate some guy like me speaking for a couple hours, and then, then the rest of the time is free. You, guess what? you could really enjoy it, couldn't you? Why did you come here? What's here in Springdale? Oh, we've got some mountains out there. In fact, a few of us took a trip the other day. Let me tell you, there's a lot of mountains around here. <laughs> and if you don't take a lot of water, it can get pretty tiring. I know I came back and the last hundred feet, I thought that was the straw that was going to break the camel back. <laughs> but there's a, but why did you come? To see the mountains, see friends. Why did you come to the Feast of Tabernacles here? We heard last night, Zechariah 14, verse 17 says, We are here to worship the King, the Lord of hosts. Is that why we're here? To literally worship our God or to see friends? It's something to think about. We have a lot of time. We're here at the Feast of Tabernacles. Do we, you know, it's easy while you're here to get so caught up in the surrounding activities that you forget several important things. At least two that I know of, maybe three. One, it's easy to forget to get on your knees and say, thank you. It's easy to forget to say, wow, I had a rough trip here, but I'm here. Thank you, Father. Now I need to be fed. It's easy to forget to pick up this book and start reading through it, studying it, hearing a sermon and saying, hey, that triggered something in my mind. Now let me go back and... Or meeting someone who... You know, iron, sharpening iron. I, I can remember a week or two ago talking to somebody and he pointed something out and I said, I never thought about it that way. And I went home and started studying on it and thinking about it. So it's easy to let that slide when you get so caught up in the feast and the excitement of the feast and, and the things around us, you know, maybe going up to the Emerald Pools or going up to uh, 
the uh, the high one up there, the angels landing. Maybe it's, you get that. Oh, man, I'm going to go over there and see that. I, I want to see that and see. Sit there in services. Wish this guy would hurry up. Because, you know, I want to get out there and see these things. And so you forget that. And the third thing is, which used to really bug me at feast, and I have to admit, I sometimes got bugged at the Feast of Tabernacles, because some people would forget to come to fellowship with God and His family. Well, we want to go to, you know, we've got this other thing I've got planned, maybe a ski trip or going to Disney World or some other kind of entertainment, and so that was more important to do those things, wasn't it? But here we are, just a little group of people, what, maybe a hundred people, 95, 100 people. Are we going to let that interfere in our life? Or are we going to sit down and say, why am I here? And really give it a lot of real good, hard thought. What am I focusing my attention on? That's what it gets down to. Do I focus my attention on God? Or am I focusing my attention on me? Because that's easy to do too. My aches and pains, you know. I know coming back off that little trip, it was hard to focus on anything except sore muscles and lack of water and frozen hands from driving a motor, you know, one of the four-wheelers. But see, that's easy. You can get caught up in physical things, and it can draw you away from what's the most important thing, our King, our Savior, and our God. So what is it all about anyway? What's the feast about? Is it about us? Well, yeah, in a sense, you know, Revelation 5, verse 10 Because this talks about us, doesn't it? Verse 5, five, verse 10. And God has made us, or Christ has made us, unto our God, kings and priests, that we shall reign on earth. Maybe that's our focus. We're here because God called us and we're to be kings. We're to be priests. That's the important part. It's so important that I'm here to learn how to be a king. And we can get caught up on that too, can't we? That can be the focus of our attention. I am going to be a king or a priest. I'm going to have a great job. I'm going to be able to speak to all these people and show them the right way to go. Is that the main focus? Is that where our focus should be? Well, in a sense, yeah. Yeah, we should be focusing on learning how to, to do those things, how to be a king. Or maybe we're focusing on being the bride of Christ. All the rest of the church, you know, they're slipping off the side track here or there, and we're on track. So we're going to be the bride of Christ. We're going to be right there, right next to Christ. So I'm here because I'm, uh, I'm going to be a pillar in the temple. And that's what it says in Revelation to the church of Philadelphia, that those that are Philadelphians, they're going to be right there next to Christ. They're going to be in the making of everything. So while I'm here, 
I'm going to focus on me being a king or a priest or a pillar like these, you know, these concrete pillars that holds up all this concrete up above you. Those are, those are important things right now to us because if they become slack and they collapse, then what happens to us? Well, you know, takes us out, doesn't it? So we want to be like these pillars. We're going to support everything. So I'm important. And this is where I'm here to feast, isn't it? Because I'm so important. It's about me, isn't it? Or is it? Why are we here? So I keep asking that question to myself. Why did I come to the feast here in Springdale? Did I come here to hear some great orator? Or maybe I came here to see Daryl because he's he's so good looking and he's so big in stature and stuff and he dresses with, uh, you know, gold clothes and, you know, he drives a brand new Cadillac or whatever. Is that why I came here? <laughs> well, what did Christ say when they came out to see John the Baptist? What did you go out there to see? Some well-dressed, well-orator person? You know, what happened when they went out to see John the Baptist? What did he say? Repent and turn around and change your way of life. Isn't that what John the Baptist told them? So they came out to say, hey, this guy's got, he's got people flocking to him. Well, did you come out here because there's thousands of people come to hear Daryl? Of course, I don't see the people around. Maybe Daryl scared them off. I don't know. I remember the first year we came out here, I expected to see Four or five hundred people. What a letdown. <laughs> well, it wasn't, because that was probably, I can look back and say that was one of the most fantastic feasts that I've attended in years. And that meant I had to go all the way back to the early 60s before I heard feasts that were so inspiring. So did we come out here because I'm a great speaker? If you did... You're really hurting. <laughs> or maybe because of Bill or Terry or any of the others that are going to be giving sermonettes or Gordon. Maybe he came out here to see Gordon. He's a, he's a great orator, isn't he? Maybe that's why we're here. Or is it really we came to worship our king? Let's turn to John chapter 13. Is it all about you and me learning how to love each other? John chapter 13. Maybe that's why we're here, because that's the important part. If we, if we fulfill some of these things, that, I mean, that's the important part. Verse 35, or 34. A new commandment I give unto you, that you love one another. So that's why we came out here, because we came out here to love each other. That's all important, isn't it? It's important to love each other. So we came out here to love each other. Christ gave us that commandment. I give you this commandment that you love one another. As I have loved you, that you also love one another. So we go and study the Scriptures, and how did Christ love us? That's how I've got to love each other. So it's a... Christ told us about me. I'm here to feast the tabernacle so I can learn to love you people. Verse 35. 
By this shall all men know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. Maybe that's why we're here. So that the world can look out here and say, hey, these people are the disciples of Christ because they love each other. And that's important. Well, of course it is. I don't want to deny that fact that that, uh, that is an important aspect of why we are here. That is very important that we learn to love each other. But is that the main focus that we're here? To love each other. Let's go over to Mark. I'm, uh, yeah, let's go to Mark chapter 3. Does God need you? Does he need me? Is it, did Daryl need me to come up here and spend time? Maybe he did. Maybe he wanted to have a break so he, he's a, he can take and have a time off. Is that right? Does God need you? Does God need me? Mark chapter 3, verse 9. And he spoke unto his disciples that were in the ship. Ooh, I got the wrong scripture here. Well, I got the wrong thing. What I really wanted was where he pointed out to them that he really doesn't need you. You might find the scripture right now. The idea is that God doesn't need you or me, does he? He could take and go outside this building and take rocks, can he? He can take dirt and create a whole new family. You know what he told Moses back there? Stand aside, Moses. I'll make a family out of you. I'm going to wipe all these people out because they're not doing things my way. So does God need you? No, he don't need us, does he? He wants us, but he don't need us, does he? He can, he can go and create more beings without us. But we, on the other hand, need God. If we're going to continue, as I thought and made mention the last time I spoke, my life, when I look back over 69, 68 years, 69 years, it's just like a moment in time. Just kind of vanished away on me. Proverbs chapter 3. Time just kind of disappeared, didn't it? 69 years. I look forward, you know, if you young people, you're sitting here, oh, maybe in your teens or maybe in your early 20s, you look in the future and say, man, i got a long way to go in my life. When you get 50 and look back, that life went pretty quick. So do you need God? Well, of course you do. Proverbs 3, verse 5. Here it says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Because we need God. So here we're saying, we've got to trust in our heart. So why are we here? Maybe we're here to learn to trust in the Lord with all our heart. And he goes on, lean not unto your own understanding. Oh, too often that's so easy to do, isn't it? We lean on our own understanding. Well, I read the Bible, and it says this, and I understand it this way. And I've had people talk to me about that. They understand it different than I understand it. But is my understanding better than theirs? Your understanding better than mine? 
or does it fit Scripture? If we lean on our own understanding, if we're here at the Feast of Tabernacles leaning on our own understanding, then we're not here for the right purpose, are we? If we're here trusting in God with our whole heart, then we're down that road to knowing why we're here. So it says, lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him. In everything we do, from the moment we get up to the moment we go to bed, we need to put our trust and all of our thoughts must be on Him. And He shall direct our paths. So we're here, then, maybe, to have our paths adjusted. Get some adjustment in the way we walk our daily road. Because if we're leaning on our own understanding, and the way I think of it is, this way it ought to be, because I'm pretty good at thinking about these things. And I've had people on that phone tell me that. And sometimes maybe I put it out, too. Sometimes when we're working, my thoughts, I feel, are better than your thoughts. And my ways are better than your ways. But when it comes to God's Word, maybe that's not true. I know that when I heard Dr. Stabernides, or Stabianides, or anyway, come up with the Trinity Doctrine, I had studied Trinity back in 1963 and 1964. And their ways, they were telling me, were better than what I'd learned. And to me, it was their understanding of what God was doing. And that wasn't right. So are your ways better than my ways? Why are you here? To teach me? To teach somebody else? To teach each other? Or maybe we're here to sharpen things, because like I said earlier, I talked to one person, and iron sharpening iron, a little light clicks on, and man, I didn't look at it that way. But I'm here, and so are you, or you should be here, Zechariah 14, to worship the king, isn't it? The Lord of hosts. And whether we're a child or an adult, we all have that same desperate need. Be not wise, verse 7, in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. Be careful on your own wisdom because sometimes the wisdom that we have is not godly wisdom. Another person I knew thought he was on the right track, got sidetracked. You remember Mr. Armstrong talking about that back in the late 70s? The church is off track. Maybe the church is still off track. I can remember that diesel locomotive when I was about eight off track. It took them a day or so to get that thing back on track. Well, God's been trying to get the church back on track for years. And yes, He broke it up. And yes, He put it out because we didn't go to the Feast of Tabernacles or go to His Word and say, I am here to worship the King. I'm here for my own things. And so when we hear these things that lead us off track, do we try to get back on track? Or do we 
lean on our own understanding? And are we wise in our own eyes? And do we stay with evil? How many years have we been preaching here, come out of Babylon? Come out of her. Of course, that's not our personal opinion, because that is scriptural. Revelation 18.4 says, Come out of her, my people. Are we God's people? Are we here because we are God's people? How many of the churches still in Babylon? They're in Babylonian feast sites. Is it God's feast sites? I doubt it. Not if we're out there so close to Babylon that we're only touching shoulders with God an hour or two a day. We're told to come out of Babylon. Come out of her, my people. So is that our opinion? No. I came here, first of all, to worship the king. I think all of you came here, first of all, to worship the king, the Lord of hosts. But do we really know the king, the Lord of hosts? Let's go to Jeremiah 9. Verse 22. Speak thus says, uh, speak, thus says the Lord, even the careless of men shall fall in dung upon the open fields. And as a handful of, uh, I'm getting where I can't see, lost my place. Dung upon the fields, as a handful after the harvester, and none shall gather them. Thus says the Lord, let not the wise man glory in his wisdom. So here we're told, if we are wise, don't glory in what knowledge God has given to us. And so many of the times, you know, God opened to us our understanding on the Passover, opened understanding on the calendar, opened understanding on the holy days. Do we glory in that fact and say, I'm so good. That's why I'm here, because God showed me these things, and I'm better than the rest. If we do that, then we're not wise. Let not the wise man glory in his wisdom, neither let the mighty men glory in their might. Let not the rich man glory in his riches. First Corinthians one twenty seven, what does that say? God didn't call the wise, did he? Not many of them, if he did call somebody wise. God didn't call many great and mighty people, like it says right here. But he called what? The base people. So we have to come to a point in our life to say, why am I here? Because I'm great and I'm powerful and I'm mighty and I've got all this understanding and God's imparted all these things to me? No. I'm here because I am the base. I am the weak. I'm not the mighty. I'm not the rich and the powerful, but let him that glories, glory in this, that he understands and knows God, that I am the Lord, which exercises loving kindness, judgment, and righteousness in the earth. So is this why we're here? Because we understand that it is God, 
who exercises loving kindness. Are we here because God has right judgment? Are we here for godly righteousness? For all these things I delight, says the Lord. So God says he delights in righteousness, judgment, justice, love. Maybe that's why we're here. Maybe we need to think about that. These are things to think about. We have eight days of the feast, seven days of the Feast of Tabernacles in the last great day. This is a time in the future that there will not be Satan around to deter any human being. That's what we've got to look for. We're going to have our own vine and fig tree. We'll have our own plot of ground. And we'll have peace, not war. Daryl telling us last night about the, the way this world is. Where can you go in this world where there's really peace? Can you find any place? I think I can. I think I found peace here. Peace in this place. Because we're here to worship the king, right? So if we're here worshiping the king, we're bound to have peace, aren't we? If we're out there, it's a ragtag world. It's a world that pulls you contrary to his way. James chapter 1. All I want us to do is to begin to think why we are here. Why did I come to the Feast of Tabernacles? What's the main purpose? What is the main focus for me being here at the feast? I want all of us to take the time for the rest of this feast to think about those things. Why we're here. What's the main focus of my life at the feast? Because so many times our focus can be pulled aside, drifted off, and do something totally different. James 5, I'm, I'm sorry, James 1, verse 5. James chapter 1, verse 5. If any of you lack wisdom, okay, speaking to me, I don't know about the rest of you, but if anyone lack wisdom, let him ask of God that gives to all men liberally and abrades not, and it shall be given him. So here God's going to give us wisdom if we seek it. Wisdom of who our God is, what He wants from us. But let Him ask in faith. So now He puts a little bit of something on this. I'm here at the Feast of Tabernacles to worship Christ, to worship you. Give me some wisdom. Give me some understanding here. And I do it because I truly believe I'm here to find the main focus of my life what everything is really about. Let him ask in faith, not wavering. For he that wavers is like a wave in the sea, driven as the wind tossed. So if we have, we're here and we're, we're here and we're, we're there and you know, we want to be a part of the world and we want to be a part of this, then we're, we're going from 
Satan's way of life or the worldly way and God's way. We're not here just to occupy an hour or two hours today. We're not here just for uh, the, the fellowship. We need to realize what it's really all about. Let him that uh, let, and let not that man that or think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. So if your mind is tied to the world and tied to God, then you're double-minded. And I don't care what age we are. If we're if if we're a part of the world, we're part of God. We want to be a part here and part there. We got our feet. It's like that thing we used to talk about as kids. A man who wanted to be a part of a group. He has one foot on a banana peel and the other in the grave. And if we're double-minded, we're like that. And that's a dangerous place to be. Especially if you're straddling a fence, maybe. An electric fence. As kids, we used to try that. We'd try to straddle an electric fence and, and be on a shaky ground. And I'll tell you, it'll get you just about every time. The same holds true if you're a double-minded person. If you want to be a part of the world... Isn't that what Christ said to the, to the Laodiceans? And we all came out of Laodicea. We had to face it. We were all Laodiceans. And many times we still are playing with Laodiceans. You know, we're lukewarm. But God said, be cold. Because I can teach you later. Or be fired up and I'll take care of you now. But if you're lukewarm, he just wants to vomit you out. Because you're, you're double-minded. You're not stable. He can't guide you in one direction or another. So we're here not to, to learn to be double-minded. We're not here to learn to be unstable. We're here for a main purpose, to worship the King. And to realize what the, everything that is in this world and in our life is all about. What it's really all about. Jeremiah 10. And we'll get to why, hopefully we'll get to why, what it's really all about here in a little bit. Jeremiah 10, 23. Lord... I know that the way of man is not in himself. It's not in man that walks to direct his steps. <laughs> oh, but doesn't it feel good to say, I know where I'm going. I'm going to make sure I do it my way. I will. I think I know what God wants, so I'm going to try to do it the way I think God wants me to do it. But God says, it's not in me. It's not. It's not within me to know the right way, to direct my steps to serve Him. O Lord, correct me, but with judgment, not with anger, lest you bring me to nothing. Well, I'm certainly glad that I can read that and realize that I've got a God that will be merciful to me. We had that sermon on mercy. It really was an eye-opener. 
how great our God, how merciful He is. And sometimes, if I try to direct my steps, I'm not very merciful. I've got people here that can look and smile and say, yeah, you're right. <laughs> and there's things I have to work on. But our God is merciful, isn't He? It's a good thing that He's very merciful. He's got so much love that He kind of can correct us when we're wrong. So we're here at times to be told, you have to repent. Oh, but I thought I'm already repentant. You know, Mr. Armstrong says you never got it. Uh, I think we said that the other day. We still don't get it, do we? <laughs> We're learning. We're starting to get some of the things. So much of the church sits out there and says, we got it all right now. We don't need any more. Of course, they forget to read Revelation chapter 3, verse 17, talking about the Laodiceans who say, I need, I've got it all. I don't need any more. But I need more, and so do you. So to say, Lord, correct me. So maybe we're here and can say, God, correct me because I'm going wrong. I'm off track still in many areas of my life. And yet he is working us all back toward that one thing. We have to come to the point that we're getting back to the faith once delivered, don't we? And we're working at it. I know some people say, well, all that faith is what Mr. Armstrong taught. But Mr. Armstrong didn't know everything, did he? God was teaching him, and he brought us to this point, but he has more to teach us. And we are learning more every day if we approach it with an open mind. If we don't say tradition, you know, and when I say tradition, I think of Fiddler on a Roof and, and the song they sang in there. Too much of us is tradition. The church is in tradition. We keep the holy days based on tradition. Even if it's wrong, it's still, it still feels good. So we have the 15th holy day instead of the only day that was right for holy day. That was Passover day. We keep the Feast of Tabernacles in the summer because it was tradition. We keep trumpets on some other day than the new moon because, you know, you have to have a, a preparation day. So you can't have a preparation day before the, the Feast of Trumpets if it falls on a Sunday because... The Sabbath's there, and you can't make the Sabbath preparation day, so we'll just have to change the day. God didn't know what he was doing, did he? Must be. But if we're here to be educated and trained, then we're here for the right purpose, then, or part of the right purpose. It's not what it's all about, though. It's not all about us getting the right training. Psalms, the book of Psalms, chapter 86. 
Psalm chapter 86, verse 8. Among the gods there is none like unto you, O Lord, neither are there any works like unto your works. Maybe we're going to start to find out what it's really all about. It's about worshiping the king. But here it says, among the gods which are not gods. There, we face it. There is only one God. All these others, you know, they put them in there with a little G. They're not gods. It's like going up to that pole and saying, I need to be healed. Pole, can you help me? What would that pole do? Can't do anything. Neither can all these other false gods. Among the gods there is none like unto you, O Lord, neither are there any works like unto your works, like God's works. All nations whom you have made shall come and worship before you, O Lord, and shall glorify your name. The nations. And we heard like last night, and Merrill read it there. They don't come and worship God in the millennium. It's going to be a little bit tough. It's really tough when you don't have anything to drink. Try going out and walking all day and drinking eight ounces of water. At the end of the day and you have no water, it's pretty tough. And so if the nations won't come, we heard, they're going to be corrected. They're going to learn to come and worship the King, the Lord of hosts. For you are great, and you do wondrous things. You are God alone. What's it all about? Why are we here? Is it about us? Teach me your ways, O Lord. I will walk in your truth. Unite my heart to fear your name. So... Maybe I got to come and change my way of life to unite it to really fear God, to fear going contrary. It's like I want to point out again what was told to me is something I didn't think about. That, hey, I better change what was said so that I can really fear God. Because if I continue the way I'm going, I don't fear God. I might fear men. And sometimes we're afraid to talk to our pastor or talk to each other. Maybe we, we're just afraid of each other. But we're not afraid to go against God, are we? Well, you know, maybe God's not real. Maybe that's why we're not sometimes afraid to talk to Him. But we do fear talking to our pastor or talking to each other if we make mistakes. Maybe that's self-pride. Maybe that's some of that, what Terry was talking about, pride keeps us from doing the right things. So here David said he wants to learn how to glorify God's name forever. For great is your mercy toward me, and you have delivered my soul from the uh, lowest of hell. So God has brought us, he's delivered us, do we really fear God? Are we here because we really, truly 
honestly, deeply fear God? That's a question. That's something to think about. Because if we're not, we could have gone anyplace else, couldn't we? If we're here for a good time, you won't have the time that you could have maybe down in the Bahamas and, you know, 80 degrees, crystal clear water, you could swim, you could fish, uh, you wouldn't freeze, you didn't have rain, you know. Are we? <laughs> I've been down to the Bahamas once. You don't take kids to the Bahamas. <laughs> Not for the feast. <laughs> but we're here to learn to, to love God. To really, truly fear Him, aren't you? Maybe we need to feel a little bit more fear. Chapter 25. Here in the book of Psalms. I think I wrote that one out. Chapter 25, verse 8. Well, I didn't get it all. I better get back there myself. Somehow in printing it out, I lost the first few words. Verse 8. Good and upright is the Lord. Therefore, will He teach sinners His ways. So I think, if we're honest, that we're here that God will teach us as sinners. And if you say you're not a sinner, then you're calling the Bible and God a liar. Because it says, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. It doesn't say Nelson or somebody else. It says, every human being has sinned and come short of the glory of God. So we should be here to let God teach us His way of life. It's His way of life. The meek will He guide in judgment. And the meek will He teach His ways. You have to be meek, don't you? If you're not meek, you know, Moses was a meek person. When those came to him, he feared God. Others didn't fear God. And they fell in the pit. But he says the meek He'll teach. All the paths of the Lord are mercy. All of God's ways are mercy and truth unto such as keep His covenants and His testimonies. So here's criteria. Are we here keeping His covenants and His testimonies? His commandments? For your name's sake, O Lord, pardon mine iniquity, for it is great. David realized he made a big mistake in his life, a lot of mistakes. He asked God to pardon him. Are we here looking at our past and saying, pardon me, God. Pardon me, Father, because I'm not and haven't been doing the things that you wanted me to do. What man is he that fears the Lord? Him shall he teach his in the way that he shall choose. Adam and Eve had a chance, didn't they? God was going to teach them the right way to live. But they chose something different. 
And they suffered the rest of their life. Well, here we're told that if we're meek, that God will teach us the right way to choose. Choose the right direction. His soul shall dwell at ease, and his seed shall inherit the earth. So we want to be at ease, and we want to inherit the earth. God's offered that to us if we become the bride of Christ. Inherit everything underneath our Savior, our King. The secret of the Lord is within them that fear Him, and He will show them His covenants. So, maybe we need to ask ourselves, do I truly fear God? And I'm here that He can teach me His ways. Maybe that's some of the things we need to get and concentrate in our thoughts. Chapter 143. Chapter 143 in Psalms. We need to analyze on a daily basis before we come to services, when we go home and before we go to bed. Don't neglect God. Become meek. Chapter 143, verse 8. Cause me to hear your loving kindness in the morning. So we're here. Dad, teach me your loving kindness. Am I here to say I really want to know how to have loving kindness? Sometimes that's difficult. I can get aggravated. I can get hurt. And sometimes I forget loving kindness. I'm sure glad that I can come to my Savior and my Father and say, teach me your loving kindness because I can see that you have a lot of mercy because I'm here. I have an opportunity to be taught and trained. For in you do I trust. Cause me to know the way wherein I should walk. For I lift up my soul to you. Well, I don't know. I'm going to... Lifting up my soul all the time to God or not? I can forget those things. Do I do that here? I'm here, and each one of us should be here to be trained and schooled and to lift up our soul to Christ, to the Father. Deliver me, O Lord, from mine iniquities. I I flee unto you to hide me. Deliver me from my enemies, I'm sorry. Teach me to do your will, for you are my God. Your spirit is good. Lead me into the land of uprightness. Quicken me, O Lord, for your name's sake. Again, pointing out, it's not for me. It's not for the church. Quicken me for God's name's sake. Because it is God that I have to please. Remember when Israel went out there and he was going to kill him, and Moses said, you can't do that because it will discredit your character or your ability or what you've done. So here David is saying, for God's name's sake, for righteousness' sake, bring my soul out of trouble and out of mercy cut off mine enemies and destroy all them that afflict 
my soul, for I am your servant. Am I a godly servant? Do I really serve God? I have to ask that question. So do you. To seek God. Remember I brought out earlier, it's not the way I think of things. And that's the way it has to be with each one of us. It's not my understanding. I'm not going to lean on all of my own understandings. Because God doesn't want that. He doesn't want me to lean on my understanding. He wants me to lean on His understanding. So what is it all about anyway? In Revelation 1, verse 6 says, and has made us kings and priests unto our God and Father and for a purpose. To Him be glory and dominion forever and ever. To who? To God. It's to God that all things belong. So is it all about us when He can raise up rocks? Can we do it? No. Psalm 72, verse seven, uh, verses 18 and 19. Psalm 72, 18 and 19. Blessed be the Lord God, the God of Israel, who only does wondrous things. Only God is doing wondrous things. And blessed be His glorious name forever. Blessed God's name, and let the whole earth be filled with His glory. Amen and amen, it says. Let the whole world be filled with the glory of God. Oh, He wants you. He wants us. He wants a family. It's like the marriage. Remember, they talked. What Christ said, the man had a marriage. He sent out his servants to invite the people to the marriage. And this one had an excuse, and that one had another excuse, and they had all these excuses why they couldn't come. They had all these most important things. God's going to have a marriage. God's going to have a family. Because it's what He wants. It's not what we want. We have excuses. Our excuses are what I want, what I want to do. I want to go do something else. I didn't come to this Feast of Tabernacles here for God to tell me what to do. I came here to hear some messages, warm a seat, and then go out and have my own entertainment. Or did I? No. The whole thing, the whole ball of wax, wraps around one thing. That's God. So it's not about you and it's not about me, is it? Because God doesn't need you, but He wants you. So that must make it all about God. Nebuchadnezzar, remember when he rebelled? Of course, God called him for that position. He brought him up there. It's like he says that as the potter makes a vessel for something great and another vessel for something other. Nebuchadnezzar was created and brought in there for another reason. 
in Daniel 4.34, says, And at the end of those days, that whole period of time, those years that he spent out there eating grass, and his nails grew long, his hair grew long, at, at the end of all of that, at the end of the days, Nebuchadnezzar lifted up his eyes unto heaven, and my understanding returned unto me, and I blessed the Most High, and I praised and honored Him that lives forever, whose dominion is an everlasting dominion, and His kingdom is from generation to generation. When we come to the Feast of Tabernacles, not only to worship the King, but to come here and recognize the fact that it is all about God. We are here because it's about what He wants. Not me or you or Daryl or Springdale or Zion Park. No, it's about what God wants done. Nebuchadnezzar realized that. Took him seven years, didn't it? Took him seven years to eat grass before he finally come to the point of saying, I recognize that it's not about me. It's about God. We hear in the instructional prayer in Matthew chapter 6.13 tells us, in verse 13 says, And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. So we're here because we're learning about what God is going to do in the future. Not about us, but what God has planned to do. So it's about God, isn't it? It's about what He's going to do. First Peter 4, verse 11. And says, are you called to be speakers? Oh, and this is from the New Living Translation. Were we called to be speakers? No, not all of us. Then speak as though God Himself were speaking for you. So if you're speaking, if you're called to be a speaker, let God speak through you. And you have to know who God is in order that to to do that, don't you? You have to be led by the power of God. Are you called to be helpers? To help others? Do it with the strength and energy that God supplies. So if you're helping other people, put your whole heart into it. Ask God for the strength to do it, to help each other. Then God will be given the glory. So whether we speak and we speak as God, we're letting God speak through us, it brings God glory. If we help other people, we help them in a godly fashion so that God is given the glory. Too often we pat ourselves on the back. You know, I do a top evangelist, talk to him personally. He told me of how all the things he did and showed me the gold watches and all these things that he did. And I wanted to know, maybe I'll pat you on the back before you break your arm. See, it's not about him. Yeah, he was used to do part of the calling work. But it wasn't about him. It was what God was wanting to do. Then 
God will be given the glory in everything through Jesus Christ. All glory and power belong to Him forever and ever. All power. Everything belongs to God. We belong to God. And we're here not because we're something. We're here because God is everything. Because God has mercy and looked down and said, I can use that person. I can use that little group of people to be a little seed to develop a whole family upon them. If we allow him. But it's not about us, is it? It's about God. In Hebrews chapter 13. Hebrews chapter 13. It's all about God. Everything that we're doing here, everything that we do on a daily basis, everything that a little group here does, it's not about us. We can't take any glory for it. All we can do is, like John the Baptist said, is repent, get on our knees, and turn around and say, yes, sir. I will do that. Too many children today, well, son or daughter, will you do this? Nope. Or maybe they'll say, I ain't going to do that. I don't have to do that. You know, I give you some lip. And if you touch them and somebody sees it, you wind up in jail. And so they become worse all the time. But that's not what God wants. He wants us to say, yes, sir. And do it, no matter what, trusting Him. Hebrews 13, verse 20. Now the God of peace, that brought again from the dead our Lord, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you perfect in every good work to do His will. So we're here to do God's will. We're here to feast the tabernacles, not for me or you, but we're here to do the will of the Father. He don't need us, does He? But we need Him. So we're here to do His will, working in you that which is well-pleasing in His sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever. In ever. So that's why we're here. We've learned, <clears throat> we've learned just very recently in the last sermon that Daryl gave, he talked about Christ's name. And we went back, my wife and I, and looking at that, and it says, told John, I mean, uh, Mary and that you will call his name Jesus, but they will call his name Emmanuel. How are we separated? How will we separate from the world? So, eye-opening, that's really, well, so eye-opening to know that we can say, we are here to be with our king, Emmanuel. Or are we? Emmanuel is God with us. 
Is God here with us today? Are we here in the right spirit, the right frame of mind, recognizing that it's not about us, it's all about what the Father has to do? Are we here to worship God and can honestly say that God is with us? That's what we have to think about. Is God with us? Can we truly get on our knees and say, thank you, Father, for all that we have for bringing us here in the name of God with us, Emmanuel. And we have to have that in our mind. It has to be exactly why we're here. If God's not with us, we're no better than anybody else in this world. Whether it be Saddam Hussein or any of these other people. It doesn't make any difference. But we have to be here to recognize it's not about us. It's about God. And if it's about God and we're here for the right reason, we can honestly and truthfully use the name Emmanuel because God will be with us. So think on those things. You have eight days. Look at your life. Have you invited Christ into your life? Have you and can you say and and honestly on your knees and say, I am thankful to be here in the name of Emmanuel. 